Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to part one of episode number 57 of my sexy music podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Hello, so first of all, I'd like to welcome all you to part one of episode number 57 of my 60 Music Podcast, Millennial Throwback Machine. I am Sam Williams, and for those of you who are just now discovering this podcast, either on the Apple Podcast app, or on Stitcher, or on iHeart Radio, or on Google Play Music, or on Spotify, and you're wondering, so what the heck is this? So I'm just going to give you a brief description of what the show is all about. Okay, so I'm Sam Williams, and I'm a 23-year-old songwriter slash producer, but I'm also a huge 60 music fan slash expert slash nerd. And each week of this podcast, I take one song by one artist from the 60s and split the show in two parts. In the first part of the show, I talk about my opinion of the song and why I think it's so good or why I think it sucks into my own personal analysis on the arrangement of the song, which will include the chords, melody, and lyrics. And in the second part of the show, I dig deep into the history behind that track. In that part of the show, I talk about who wrote the song, who produced it, what studio was recorded at, who were the studio musicians on the track, where it was recorded, and what labels released on, and the Billboard Hot 100 chart P position the song originally made on, made on when it was originally released, and also uh, the history behind the artist that recorded it. All that is in the second part of this show. Moving on, let's get started in this week's song, shall we? Okay, so the song and band I'll be doing this week it's probably one of the coolest songs I've done so far on my podcast. And while the lyrics might be dated, the really cool chord progression and arrangement of the song helps make it really, really good. And it tears away from the song's lyrics that were totally of, of the time that the song was written in. Even though the human feelings and emotions in the song could still be relevant to a situation today. And if you're somebody that's around my age, I'm really confident you'll dig the song because it's so gritty and dirty that it musically evokes songs that have been on the charts in recent years, even though today's production sonics are a million miles away from this era the song was recorded in. The song was re- originally released in July of 1967. It's by a group called The Box Tops. It's none other than The Letter. <laughs> Give me a ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to take a fast train Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter I don't care how much money I gotta spend Got to get back to my baby again Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home Holy crap, is that song totally badass or what? I mean, man, is that song just oozing with hipness and coolness. Now, you can't help but really like the song, especially if you're into the mainstream pop stuff today. I mean, as per usual, I'm going to talk about what makes this song so good musically and lyrically as well. But first, let's talk about the song's music, shall we? Okay, so what makes this song so cool and how I think it's able to stand head and shoulders with many new mainstream pop songs of today is mainly because this song is in a minor key. Okay, so let me explain something to you. In recent years, to me, it seems like a lot of the mainstream pop hits of the 20 teens and late 2000s, even the 90s too, were written in minor keys. 
In fact, a lot of the musicians these days prefer songs in minor keys over major keys. And while many mainstream pop songs today have today's sonics as well as electronic instrumentation, the meat and potatoes of these songs, which is really the chord progressions of these songs, really hone in on the minor keys. And you know, traditionally, songs that have minor keys tend to be sadder than the songs with happy major keys. These days, songs with minor keys and really good production tend to give off more of a cool and um, and badass vibe versus a sad, weepy vibe. And this song definitely gives off that cool and I'm a badass vibe because of the way it's written and the minor key that it's in. And plus, the song's lead vocal. I mean, that re- the, the vo- lead vocal in the song is really badass. But really, everything from the trombone stabs in the second A section to the push-pull strings also in the second A section are what makes the song just so good. And those two things are added on to the song fairly quickly into the track, and they do a good job of breaking up the song's monotony with the first A section being pretty much the same as the second A section, with the only thing changing are the two lines of lyrics and the strings and trombone stabs being added in the second A section. Now, this song also has one of the coolest bridges a pop song could have. In this part of the song, we hear a slight key change going from the relative major of A minor, which is the key the song is in, and by the way, the relative major of A minor is C major, and we hear the organ come in, and this is when the song gets really cool. You see, the organ adds on a whole other dimension to the song's arrangement, and the key change from minor to major is also a nice break from the song's monotonous structure. And I also love how the song opens up with two four-on-the-floor snare hits and that little acoustic guitar lick in the beginning that kicks off the whole song and the lead vocal falls right in after that. I mean, that is just so cool. And what's really cool about the intro is that it's literally the perfect length. It's not too long or too short. It's just enough to get you intrigued and to get you to listen to the whole song and to get you hooked into listening to the song, as songwriters say. And also, another really cool part about this song are the harmonies added on to the lines, Lonely Days Are Gone and I'm Coming Home, and the A sections of the song. And also, in the bridge as well, when he harmonizes with the lines, well, she wrote me a letter, says she couldn't live without me no more. Listen, Mr. Can't you see I got to give back to my baby once more. In the B sections. Uh, that is another layer of such a dense arrangement for such a short song. But I also love how the arrangement of the song builds with how it just starts out with just acoustic guitar and bass and drums. And then the horns and strings come in on the second A section and then the organ for the bridge. Other than the song structure being pretty, it pretty much repeats itself. But also, I like to talk about exactly what is the name for the song structure. Because this record is not a verse chorus song, but it's actually an ABA song. The ABA song format is one of the oldest song formats in the history of popular music, and it was widely popular in the Tin Pan Alley days of pop music in the 30s and 40s, before rock and roll took over in the late 50s. And by the way, during this time, like in the, during the Great American Songbooks and the days of big band and jazz, a ton of songs were written ABA. I mean, most of the songs that were popular at the time and they were selling sheet music like crazy, you know, most of them were in ABA. 
And many AABA songs had the song's hook, aka the song's title, appear at either at the beginning or end of every A section. And this song is a really good example of that format with the hook appearing at the end of every A section. And the B section typically wouldn't be longer than eight bars. A lot of times, this section is also referred to as the middle eight because it is most of the time exactly eight bars long. Now, as rock and roll took over in the late 50s, the verse-chorus format then started to become more popular and less songs with the AABA format were being written and were becoming hits. But even though there were still quite a lot of songs that format becoming hits, but really rock the whole rock and roll movement that happened in the late 50s did a lot to really push the verse-chorus format into the mainstream when it came to popular music. And there's a good chance that that song format, the AABA format, wouldn't, would have been forgotten about and not really used a whole lot if it hadn't been for this little band from England that you may or may not have heard of called The Beatles. Well, guess what? They wrote many of their songs with the AABA format. Many of their biggest hits had the song format, including one of their most popular songs, Hey Jude. But anyways, personally, one of my songs is in this format. And I honestly kind of wish people still wrote with this format. Especially, it seems like, seems to be, everyone nowadays seems to be too obsessed with the verse-chorus format. And even though writing a song with this format might make your, with ABA format, might make your songs sound old and archaic, at least it will set you apart from all the other songwriters you might be competing with nowadays who are writing verse-chorus songs. But anyways, getting back to the song, the last part of the song that I think is really cool is towards the end with a sudden modulation to C-sharp major with a brand new chord progression. And in this part of the song, this is when the organ really takes over and the strings play this beautiful melody on top of the chords and that the organ player is playing. And the coolest playing sound effects come in. And while we're at it, let's talk about how nowadays we rarely hear songs with added-on sound effects. I mean, it feels like the only songs these days that have really cool sound effects on them are hardcore EDM or trap music. And those so- sound effects are, are, in my opinion, are usually not the most pleasing sound effects to the ear. You would think that with today's technology, he would hear way more songs with added on sound effects in them. Since it's so much easier to throw on a sound effect on a song in a DAW like Pro Tools or Logic, you know, in one of those sessions, Versus back then, where you physically had to edit that sound effect in with scissors and a razor blade and physical tape. I mean, it was hard to do it back then, you know, because there were no computers to make music back in those days. But now you can just drop in the sound effect file on your DAW from your desktop and and place it where you want to put it in your session, and that's it. Records of sound effects in them were not uncommon back in those days. I mean, a lot of songs had sound effects in them, like D. Clark's Raindrops and you know, and the Ronettes walking in the rain. I mean, there were a lot of songs, hit songs, or sound effects back then. And I feel like it needs to be brought back in today's world since I'm sure there are companies that have sound effects sample library bundles that are royalty-free and you can easily be down, download them onto your computer. And there, there isn't a much more easier time than right now to throw in sound effects on your songs. So I hope if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this episode, 
and you're a music producer slash engineer, you'll get inspired from listening to the song and throw in some sound effects on one of your unfinished tracks as well. And also, the sudden unexpected key change in the last part of the song also creates a nice little surprise to the ear, and I'm sure you weren't expecting that if you do decide to listen to the song. And finally, before we get to the song's lyrics, let's talk about how long the song is. Because it's really quite amazing how short the song is. I mean, it barely clocks in at two minutes. It actually clocks in at a minute and 58 seconds. I mean, how many songs do you listen to these days on a regular basis that are that short? I bet you any money, all your songs that you listen to on Spotify these days are way longer than that. At least like three minutes of 58 seconds or even four minutes tops. But really, when you listen to the, so- to the songs these days, it doesn't feel like the song... I mean, when you listen to this particular song, it doesn't feel like it's that short, but it's literally the perfect length. It's not too short or too long. It says everything that needs to be said with the song in less than two minutes. To me, that's an incredible achievement for a songwriter, and it shows you what you can do with a song with a limited time marker. I mean, I literally challenge you to go write a song that's less than two minutes. It's definitely not an easy thing to do because... We songwriters like to have as much time as we want to when we write our songs. And in reality, there's really no limit as to how long our songs can be these days, unlike back then with strict AM radio policies that songs couldn't be longer than three minutes in order for them to become hits and get heavy rotation all on all the major top 40 AM radio stations in the U.S. at that time. But we don't have these kind of limitations anymore, you know, due to the emergence of independent non-major label artists and streaming. I mean, most streaming platforms don't really have any restrictions as to how long our songs can be. Or I could be wrong about that. If I am, please do let me know. I mean, songs these days can be as long as the artist wants them to be. But I think that if we... it would be, it would be I think it would be interesting if a song... if songwriters got into the mindset of the early to mid-60s and tried to write more songs capping in exactly or just under three minutes or three or half three and a half minutes you know or like or half that length like either two minutes or two minutes and 30 seconds or two minutes and 46 seconds or just straight two minutes i think you could really pull off a great song using the less is more mantra and not going over the three minute length of time and I don't think you'll need more t- more time to say what you need to say in a song and then move on than just three minutes. But I could be wrong. I've certainly have written songs that hit the three-minute marker and then end, but I've also written songs that are longer than three minutes because I'm really, I'm, I'm really immersed myself into the time frame of music in you know the 60s with my original music. And I try to write songs that are as close to the to these these classic songs from the 60s but i'm being influenced by them but i'm not really copying them i'm not really you know stealing any chords or melodies from them i'm creating my own version of them that's influenced by a lot of these classic songs from the 60s and you might do that as well if you really really like the music i talk about on this podcast you know if you if you become a fan of these songs from listening to them but i get it if what you create as a songwriter and you do listen to this podcast is the polar opposite of the kind of songs I talk about on my show. Moving on, let's talk about the song's lyrics. Because I mentioned once before in this episode of the podcast that the lyrics in the song are dated. Well, 
What makes a song so dated lyrically? Well, let me put it to you this way. The song is about a guy that receives a physical letter via snail mail from a girl he is supposedly dating that she can't live without him anymore. So he decides to stop what he is doing and completely ignore where he's currently at and he decides to leave his current establishment and get back with his girl. And so we see him going to an airport and he asks the ticket taker at the airport for a ticket to get on a plane and he kindly lets him know that money is not an object for him and he more importantly wants to get back to be with his girlfriend and he does not care about how much money he has to spend on a plane ticket and he proceeds to tell him that his girl wrote him a letter saying he couldn't live without him anymore and he also doesn't want to take a train because he feels like he he can get there via plane faster he just he doesn't have time to take a fast train okay so first of all we don't write handwritten letters to people anymore we now we have these things called cell phones that have a feature today known as texting but in the time that this song was written in none of those things existed so the only way people could communicate with one another is if they wrote handwritten letters to people via snail mail and they were sent via snail mail or they made old school dial-up phone calls at nearby pay phones or in their own homes And nowadays, these cell phones have apps where you can buy a ticket in advance, a plane ticket in advance, and gone are the days where you actually had to go to the airport and buy a physical plane ticket to leave a city or country that you were in. But the real point I'm trying to make here is that even though technologically we have evolved as a society since the time that this song was written, the human feelings and emotions behind the song, such as desperation and loneliness and leadiness, are still relevant today. Heck, I mean, all you have to do to make the song relevant to today's times is to replace the line, my baby, well, she wrote me a letter, with a more up-to-date line, my baby, well, she sent me a text. Him getting a letter from his girlfriend via snail mail saying she couldn't live without him anymore back then is the equivalent to him getting a text from a girl with the same exact message the girl in the song sent to the guy in the song via handwritten letter from your significant other, whether or not you're listening to this podcast and you're a boy or a girl. If, 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 if this were the same conversation, but it happened via text message or Instagram DM or Facebook Messenger today instead of snail mail. The initial point of communication where he's the girl messaging him and the guy gets the message is the same today. But the way we do it today is completely different than the way they did it back then. And, you know, just just the way the song was written lyrically, um, you know, it's talking about a way of doing things that is now considered dated and old-fashioned and irrelevant today. But really, I think one of the main reasons as to why this song was such a big hit the year it came out is because at the time, the song was written, and when, when it was written, the Vietnam War was raging, and many young men were very far away from their wives and girlfriends, and they would oftentimes get Dear John letters from their ladies saying what the girl said to the guy in the song. You know, because they were in a completely different country, like so far away from the girls. 
And a lot of times they would get letters from their girlfriend saying, babe, please come home. I can't live without you anymore. I need you to come home right now. And then you can understand why he wants to get out of where he's currently at in the song to be with his girlfriend. I mean, he might be a soldier in Vietnam that, you know, is like, fuck, I don't want to fight this war anymore. I want to go home and be with my girlfriend, you know, but really the thing I'm trying to get at is that we don't know exactly where he is at in this song and where he is going. I mean, we don't know what, what kind of, what city he's going to and, you know, and where, where he is at, but that sense of the song not being attached to a specific place really makes a song relatable and can really apply to any guy in any time period, despite the fact that he got a handwritten letter from his girlfriend hints to the time that the song was written in, which certainly isn't today's world in 2019. But, I mean, like I said before, it's no different than if he got a text from his girlfriend today, but back then it was a physical handwritten letter. It's still the same message, just sent differently versus you know, back then and today. And also, one last thing before we end this podcast episode. I love it when the singer pronounces the word airplane as aeroplane. I mean, that adds a unique character to the song, and it also gives a hint to the listener as to where this band is from. And, you know, it has kind of a Southern vibe, and we'll talk more about that in the next episode of this podcast. So that concludes part one of episode number 57 of my 60 Music Podcast, Millennial Throwback Machine. I am Sam Williams, and if you really enjoyed my analysis on this week's uh, song, and you found it really cool, you never heard this song before, and you're really curious as to, as to the history behind uh, this song and this artist I talked about this week, um, please email me at samltwillyicloud.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at iheartoldies, and check out more of my original music at samwilliamsmusic.net. And also, the usual things that I say at the end of every episode is that as always, a link to this week's song is going to be in the description of uh, this this week's episode of this podcast. So that way, um, you can listen to it. And also, um, a link to my merchandise store that I have uh, for this podcast is also in the description of this episode of this podcast. Um, it's a really cool logo. It's the slogan I say at the end of every episode in tie-dye keep on truck and font it's really cool um you know i have a bunch of items on there i would love it if you could purchase something from that store your support you know you that you might want to show for me for this podcast would mean a lot to me you know um i would really appreciate that because you know it tells me that you really like what i'm doing with the show yeah so anyways so also um the spotify playlist i make for this podcast is also in the description of this episode of this podcast as well. Um, you can go on there and you can, you know, check out all the songs I've talked about on the show so far. And, you know, maybe you can, and if you do that, I'm sure you would get a feel for the kind of songs I talk about on the show. And maybe you can give me some helpful suggestions of songs I should cover next and songs I haven't talked about on my show yet. You know, and you can get an idea for the kind of songs I talk about on the show. So I would really appreciate it if you could check that out. The link to that is also in the description of this episode as well. I would really appreciate that. Um, but anyway, so um, I'm Sam Williams, and thank you for joining me again uh, for this week's episode of my podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Until next week, please keep things groovy. <laughs>